0: Hello and welcome to the 7th Sage podcast. In this episode, you'll be hearing my conversation with Glenn, who's known as uh, LSAT, can't win on Seven Sage. And true to his name, LSAT did not win. When we spoke in February of 2018, Glenn had received a 171 on his LSAT and was applying to law schools with that number. Glenn, I think is not your most typical of applicants, though I'm not sure if there even is such a thing. Uh, He served four years in the Marine Corps, and he's what we call a splitter, someone with a high LSAT score, but a low GPA. We spoke for about an hour and a half, and we talk about lots of things. Uh, The first half of the conversation focused more on logic games. And since we spoke in front of an online audience, you'll hear other Seven Sagers asking Glenn their questions. And since it's been eight months since Glenn and I spoke, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you where he got into law school. Okay, so without further ado, please enjoy. Welcome, everyone. We have LSAT Can't Win, uh, also known as Glenn, here with us. Uh, Glenn is a longtime Seven Sager and he scored a 171 on the December test and, and is uh, currently in the process of applying to law school. Uh, Glenn, can you say hi to everyone?
1: Yeah. Uh, how's it going, everybody? My name is Glenn. Um, 171 as JY said.
0: Glenn, so th- first of all, thank you for agreeing to do this. Uh, everyone is here um, because they want to hear about your story. They want to learn how you study for the LSAT, um, how you managed to pull off that uh, really awesome score. Um, but before we get to that, uh, what, can, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your your background?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not a traditional student. Uh, many of you are aware probably i pretty vocal about this on the forums. Um, I went to college right after high school, didn't do very well at all, decided I need to change. So I joined the United States Marine Corps. I did four years, served in Okinawa, was doing schooling there too, but the deployments kind of got in the way of my grades still. Uh, After I got out, I worked for a couple years and went back to school. I got a 4.0 once I was out. um, So I have a very weird transcript. (laughs) Um, I've worked everywhere from like Best Buy to some superior courts in California and things like that. Uh, so I have, a, I have a decent work experience. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically me. I don't really do anything for fun. other than game.
0: <laughs> other than playing games, you said?
1: Yeah, I, I game all the time. Monster Hunter is my, uh, my addiction right now.
0: So, uh, you and uh, Daniel should, should get together.
1: Yeah, for sure. He, I think we've already talked a few times about
0: games. <laughs> um seems to be a correlation now with at least two data points of playing video games and getting a really good LSAT score. Um so okay, so you joined the Marine Corps. Uh so did you did, did you take a break during your schooling to uh do that?
1: I did um when I was in Japan, I had a lot of free time. Um, we were locked down to base most of the time because of international incidents and people getting in trouble. Um, so we had online schooling that we could do there. So I, I was still kind of trying to finish my prereqs for transfer there. Um, but I, I don't have, I didn't have control over my schedule. So it was actually my transcript got hurt even worse by that because I was deployed without any warning um, and that hit my transcript pretty hard as well. So it's, it, it was hard to do. It's hard to, to work full-time like that and be a student. <laughs> mm,
0: I see. Um, but you said you managed to uh, pull off a 4.0 GPA.
1: Uh, yeah. So it, the, Obviously, my, my cumulative is terrible. It's a, a 2.8 or something. They went higher now. But um, there's, a, there's a very clear line from 2007, 2008, 2009, where my GPA was like a 1.5. And then when I went back to school um when i got my degree i got like 70 units of straight a's uh so oh, i have a very weird yeah yeah,
0: yeah. i think you might you might want to talk about that in your uh in your application i know you're you're applying now uh have you <clears throat> have you thought about or have you already written uh an addendum to talk about that
1: yes i have um my addendum was longer probably than most people's because there was a lot to talk about when it came to my transcript um i mean it was a 10 year long transcript um, but I, I did, and I've already, I mean, I've, I've blanketed the T14 pretty much, and I have about 16 schools total I've applied to. Um, this, I, I didn't realize this, but the application part is less fun than the LSAT for me. I, I think I like the LSAT better than I liked all this writing about <laughs> myself, and I, I'm not very good at that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really tough. Yeah. I, I remember when I had to write my personal statement, it took me months. Um, it was very difficult. Yeah, because it just wasn't it wasn't clear. That was that's like it's pretty clear you know what you have to do. Yeah. Um Yeah.
1: It was it was very similar for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh so are you all done? Are you, are you like are your apps are all in or are you still working on?
1: Um they're in. I kind of am just stress applying at this point. There's I'm not heard from anybody <laughs> and nothing's moved, so it just makes me want to apply to more schools. Um where I work, I've had some people tell me that I should just shoot for yale anyway even though it's probably not so i might send yale an app but there's i think they're due the 28th and they're such a weird school that they don't care about the timeline they say and so i might try Yale. Right. why not
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i i always say just uh you just got a carpet You're at, Your your app just apply everywhere it's because it's a a roll of the dice your numbers are interesting i mean 171 is above most schools uh medians for sure. Uh even some schools 75 probably, right? Some of the T14 75. Um but, but my, GPA. my gpa doesn't
1: touch anybody's 25th yes. close. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so uh well, what let's talk about your lsat study. So how how did that like first of all, how long was the process?
1: Longer than I anticipated when I first started. Um, I my first thing I did was I thought the LSAT was just like any other standardized test. I test pretty well um, with like the SAT and tests like that. I thought I could just take one summer course, so I, I did. Um, and I just, it, it, I adamantly think that that is not the way to teach the LSAT. It's working in groups is fine, but working, teaching to 20 kids at once when each one needs a specialized. Approach to how they think it just doesn't work, and I I didn't get what I needed out of that course. Um, so I went in my taking my first test and I got a one fifty seven, and that was only up six points from my diagnostic score. From there, I joined Seven Sage, um, and I never I'm kind of an oddball because logic games I'd learned through, and it never really touched it again. I, I kept their method, and I, maybe it was like a, a natural affinity to them. Um, Cause I'm pretty quick with them and I'm kind of, <laughs> I, I say I'm blunt force. I don't, I do the setup and then I go straight to the questions and I try everything and I, I try it quick right. and I memorize the rules. I don't ever look back. i the, the rules are in my head. Um, that's
0: incredible. Yeah. It's
1: yeah. And I, I, that's why I don't like giving advice so much because of the way I do lodging games. Um, <laughs> I feel uncomfortable because it's, I can't really even say what I'm doing.
0: Um, right. But the, right. So anyway,
1: I did. I did Seven Sage, uh, and it took me Wait, about a year.
0: Sorry, years. sorry, sorry, Glenn. Um, I, I just wanted. So you're telling you're saying that when you got your one fifty seven, your Logic Games was already close to perfect.
1: It was, except for my first test was September twenty sixteen, and the virus game really, really hurt me.
0: Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> uh, I see.
1: That one I wasn't. And, and then when I when I went back and saw the there was the letter S was the key to everything. Um, that hurt because I, I knew I could have seen it. So I was not perfect. I don't want to say I was perfect, um, but I had a a decent understanding. My LR was, was my worst by far.
0: Um, right, right. I see. So so had, had you had some other test as your official test, you probably would have gotten better than a 157 on, on your first official take, right?
1: I think so. I think I would have hit the 160s at least.
0: Right, right, right. But that's still amazing that like you're hitting a 160 with a perfect on the logic games, and it's the other it's the other sections that are depressing your score. I mean, amazing in the sense that like it's it's almost kind of discouraging because uh, yeah. logic <laughs> games tend to be like the easiest to improve upon, It, right? it was very discouraging. It's especially like, when you yeah, yeah it's like I already got the low hanging fruit. I already got the low hanging fruit <laughs> points now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. And I think I, I don't. I, I, I think I. I don't want
1: to just bash on but they don't teach uh the lr and reading comp in a way that i just i didn't understand it and i it was winging it um mm. so i i think that one really kind of mm. kind of hurt me it was just gut instinct when i went into that
0: yeah yeah well i'm 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 glad you i'm glad you found us uh um, yes <laughs> when when you did okay so and then and then about so just one more point about your logic games and then we can we can continue I hesitate to tell people to like memorize the rules Yeah. Um, because I, I just, I find it kind of challenging, but I do want to, it's like, it is incredibly helpful if you can just look at the rules and capture all of it, like just memorize all of it. It's very, very helpful. It's much faster if you, if, if you're able to do that, like it's, it's much faster you know, when you, when you have to make inferences from them.
1: Yes. I actually, I posted about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I began to notice with logic games on my own before this is before I touched seven stages there's it's a Inferences lead to inferences. So rule one plus two will lead to it's like a pyramid and it leads to another inference And then those two inferences will lead to a third and the questions are they're asking about those second and third inferences They're not they don't want the surface level stuff. They want the deeper stuff. Yeah Um, And once I saw that by memorizing the rules, I knew that I don't care about the rules so much I want to know how the rules play together and i want to know yeah. what the board looks like those are my two yeah. most important things
0: yeah.
1: um so i think memorizing did help in that sense
0: yeah yeah no i i mean i i think i think you should you shouldn't shy away from uh, uh you know telling people about the uh way uh in which you do logic games it's it's i mean we have at least one data point saying it's helpful for like for for you it's helpful right so um, I'm sure if it's helpful for you, it's helpful for at least um, some large number of people. Uh, so, and and maybe I, maybe I should also uh, start start uh, well, not shying away from telling people that just just to try to straight up memorize the rules because it is very helpful to do.
1: Yeah, and then of course the the amount of that I've done. I mean, I, it's not like I didn't do a ton of logic games. I I did a ton. I didn't necessarily follow the foolproof method method exactly. I didn't know what it was. Before I was already pretty decent with the, the logic games. Um, but just exposure, and it's there were tests where it was a new game, but it and this is it sounds cliche because every master of the LSAT and whatever says it, but um, you just, you know it. You've seen that inference before. It's it's you're there. And it's like I I'm
0: I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's not really new. Okay, so I do wanna continue with the rest of your LSAT essay, but uh, Lady Macbeth asked a, asked a question and she says, whenever I try to straight up memorize the rules, I get paranoid and don't know if I can trust myself, end up looking at the rules anyway and wasting time. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: that is the key to the LSAT right there. I mean, trust yourself. I, yeah. I've questioned myself, uh, even now I don't feel like, I have a 171 on the books and I feel like I'm terrible at this test. Um, but you need to, when you're actually sitting there and it's exam time, it's game time, you need to trust yourself. Uh, And that's true for every section. It's not just true for logic games or one type of question in LR. It's, it's the whole test. You need to, you need to have confidence and you get to that confidence level by doing it a ton. Exposure to this test is, is very important. Not over, no, don't just PT. Of course you're wasting material at that point, but knowing the the way the test works is just as important as knowing how to find the right answer. And then having faith in yourself and being calm. (laughs) That's my my biggest takeaway. Be calm.
0: Yeah. Be calm. Yeah, for sure. Do you do the logic? Like, so like, I I can't say how long ago, but like recently I started doing uh, the logic game videos um, where as I, as I go through the rules, if there is an acceptable situation question, as the first question what i do is i look at i'll translate rule number one and then imme- instead of going to rule number two and translating it and building on my game board like i you know used to do uh what i do is i then immediately go to the first question to eliminate an answer choice and then i go to rule number two translate the rule see how the rule plays with rule number one see how it plays on the game board and then return to the acceptable situation question and then try to eliminate another answer choice Um, is that something you do or not, not really?
1: No. Yeah. I I do that. Uh, just, I, I, I always do the game board first. It's just what I was, I was taught, but I, I go rule by rule just like that. And the first question on the LSAT or any logic game, you're going to do that. I don't know of, I've never heard of someone doing it a different way where you don't go question or rule by rule to eliminate. Oh,
0: what, what I mean is like, what I mean is, uh, instead of, so on the one hand you have, let's set up the game board and, and, figure out the rules first and then we'll go to the first question and then take each rule to eliminate alternatively you're doing the first question simultaneous with the game board setup
1: yeah i i did not do that um i would do the game board
0: first yeah that's that's what i used to do the like i mean out of all the hundreds of logic games i think like 80 90 percent of them is i did it i did it that way but recently for the newer ones I found that it's actually much better to do it the way I had just described, where simultaneous with the game board setup.
1: I, I could see that saving time.
0: Also, it helps you a lot to reinforce what the rules because you're getting like you're just getting like two or three looks at the rules, um, in quick succession, and and um, yeah, I just if That makes really a lot helpful. of
1: sense. Yeah. yeah, um, I would actually I might try a few games like that myself because that that oh are yeah, you still gonna <laughs> another, Yes, I still do LSAT. I have a problem. Um, I I do. Um, my, I'm on seven stage far too often and I'm, I like answering. No, we
0: welcome it. You're you're not on <laughs> seven stage enough. I saw you didn't win the gold award for the shadows. That's, that's something you need to aspire to next, next month.
1: I, I never win that. That's, that's Alex's. He, he's, he's a pro. I can't keep up with him. Yeah. and his advice. Every time I want to say something, his advice is already 10 feet ahead of me. And I, I can't keep up with that
0: guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, and, and another thing, this is actually something I want to, um, I wanted to say is when i saw on seven stage someone asking for a specific question those were my favorite posts when i was studying because i would go to the question and try and see if i could explain it to someone else and i've done my whole life i well since the marine corps i if you can't teach something to someone you don't understand it
0: i totally Uh, agree is that the official marine corps motto
1: no 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 no. it's just something i learned through it um but it's I, i i mean it helped me a ton, and I would I would learn like I think I know this question, and then I would go to explain it, and I couldn't explain it. I could not sit there and say this is why this question works. I just think this is the right answer, or maybe I looked at the answer before I I was ready to explain it, and I still couldn't explain it. That's when I knew I needed it. so seventh sage, the community, the forums, those questions helped me a ton to spot weaknesses, and I, I they were my favorite. I looked for them every day.
0: That's that's great. Yeah, I I I would I echo that a hundred percent. Um, for those of you guys here who are still studying, take op- every opportunity you can to play the role of teacher. Right? No matter what, no matter how well you're doing, you're doing better than some. You're doing worse than others. So for the people you're doing better than, you should teach them. You know, um, it, that that puts you in a position where it's it's just like a test. You know, to see if you really understand. If you really do, you should be able to explain it. If you can't explain it, it means that you don't really understand. And then for people who are doing better than you, of course, you should. Uh, play the role of student and ask them ask them for help okay great oh yeah one other thing that i started doing for logic games is i i started uh changing up the order in which i approached the questions and again this was not something that i i felt like i had to do because um i just i don't know logic games were like on my actual uh pt years and uh, pt on my actual lsat um i finished the games um with a few minutes to spare and I, i got i got a minus zero on that section so it never like, occurred to me to like think hard of additional ways to optimize on the games. But um, recently, I've started doing the questions that give you additional premises first. Because I, t- I find that those questions tend to be easier because they further restrict the number of worlds. right? Like question three will say, uh, if M is in four, then which one of the following must be true? That's easier than just a straight up must be tr- Generally speaking, it's easier uh, than just a straight up must be true question. Um, so is that something you do too or, or, uh, not, not really?
1: Uh, I'm pretty stubborn and I think Josh or, um, the other sages have, have tried to break me. I'm stubborn. I go question by question. I can't it's like in
0: order, and, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: skipping destroys the way my brain works, it bothers <laughs> me. Um, yeah. but saying that those are my favorite types of questions because they are so easy. It, it you, when you restrict the more restricted you can make a board, the better, um, yeah. So those those are the questions I hate the most are which of the following can go on Monday? I, those destroy me because mm, I'm
0: yeah.
1: I'm such a brute force, and that one yeah. you can't yeah. brute force that that you need to have the inferences and see why one uh, those slow me down.
0: Yeah, you know what I have I haven't seen I haven't seen this in a while, but this is like the death knell for like the brute force strategy, which is a a question where every answer choice gives you an, a, a, a separate antecedent condition. So like a will say something like if like the question would just be like which one following must be true right? And then a will say something like if M is on Monday, then uh, J is on Tuesday. If, and then B will say something like if K is on Friday, then uh, n is on Thursday. And it's just like, holy shit. So it's basically five questions. Right, it snuck like sort of compacted into one. So that's the kind of stuff that like, if if your brute forcing is your strategy, I would highly recommend just like see if you know the right answer pops out. If it doesn't, move on. It's just a huge time sink.
1: Yeah, those those I have ran into those before. And those those yeah,
0: do. I I you yeah. know now that I now that I mentioned this, I I, I honestly haven't. I don't remember when the last game was that I saw a question like that. Uh, it must have been a long time ago. Yeah, 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 not not on the recent test.
1: Because I I mean I went. Minus 0 on september's um, mm-hmm. and minus 1 on december's and the one was the substitution
0: right um, substitution equivalent and i 50 yeah. 50
1: on those those are those are either i understand it or i don't and it's
0: i, I totally I, agree those those questions same for me if i see it like either the answer just kind of just jumps out it's like there's like a halo around it and like yeah that's that's the one or or alternatively like i i don't know i just I, i'm very hesitant to actually try to brute force those cuz they just take take too much time but uh okay so so you you studied you you took a course in the summer uh you 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 took the test and you got a 157 and you got you didn't do so well in lg and then uh you found seven sage you started and then what happened
1: so i i took seven sage i started in around november of 2016. um and i went all the way until september 2017 was going to be my next test um i i didn't study too hard for a few months because I was starting a new job and it was, it was hard full-time work. So in May, I would say is when I really, really hunkered down to study again. Um, And that was every day, multiple hours a day. Uh, I wake up at 4am before work. Um,
0: This is all while you were working.
1: Yes. Well, so I had after school, I had a few months off where I didn't work. I was lucky to land a really, really good job. I'm still at, Um, but it's, the The bulk of my studying for LR and reading comp came while I was full time working, um, and that's forty hours a week with an hour commute on each end. So it was it was a pretty wow. tiring time.
0: That you're you're one of the few people who actually um, take the advice I tell everybody, which is um, to to treat the LSAT as your real job, um, and like wake up in the morning and devote your best hours to the LSAT. Um, that's amazing that you, you were able to consistently wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah,
1: I did that for about a month. Um, okay. And then I started dying. Uh, <laughs> and then it became, I, my job is very, I'm lucky. Uh, my job is, it's a 40 hour a week job, but it, there's times where it's so slow that I can just do all set. Then there's times I, I can't breathe. Um, so it, it's trade-off. But I, I did get lucky with the job I have. But I also started finding unique times. Uh, I my train was a a commute. It's a, I mean, sorry, my commute is on a train. So I would do logic games on the train. I would do during my lunch. That was like an LR review time, or um, when I would get home if I had any extra energy, it would go into. I I want to say I was obsessed. The LSAT became an obsession um, <laughs> yeah. for me. If there wasn't, if I wasn't at work or actively doing something, it was LSAT, and that's I dreamt LSAT. It was almost unhealthy, I would say. It, don't go too far with this. Be, be a human being. Treat yourself right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, I, I did obsess over this test until September. And then September, I choked. So.
0: <laughs> what did you get in uh, September? Uh,
1: 163. And I was PTing around 170 at that time. Um, yeah, and I didn't. I didn't listen to the sages again, or Alex, or anyone that was telling me that I was burning myself out and that I needed to relax and not work myself up. And I was these guys don't know what they're talking about. What well, well, they're insane. And well, I should have listened to them because um, I did burn myself out pretty hard before that test.
0: So, uh, Daniel and Josh, uh, if you guys are here, you can um, you can say whatever you want. You can say "I told you so." <laughs> That's what you want to say. Especially Josh. <laughs> Josh definitely warned me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um well what, what what was the breakdown? How did you end up getting that uh 163?
1: So I went minus zero um in logic games. I think I only went minus five in reading comp maybe. Um, and that was the the judicial candor, judge candor, whatever, um that everyone freaked out about. But I actually went minus thirteen in LR. Um in
0: one Yikes. LR alone,
1: yeah, and that was a week of all. In one LR, the other one I did okay.
0: What was the other one?
1: Four or five, yeah, low. Um, but one LR, the first LR, it just, it destroyed me. There was, nice. I don't know why either. Looking back at it, uh, after I printed it out, after I had a break, I don't know how I missed the questions I missed. <laughs> it just, it was, a, it was shocking. Um, and it was because I was worked up, and I wasn't. I didn't stick to anything that I had studied. I didn't listen to other people. Um, I got in my own mind. I put everything on the test. I told myself that I wasn't going to get into any schools, and I. I, I so, don't do that. It, mm-hmm. Go in calm.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, very important.
1: And then, so after that test, from October until December, I hung out on Seven Sage. I only did four people. Um, I didn't really study at all. I barely touched it and I my attitude became more of a it's just another practice test and it, I'm I've seen this so many times before that I can't it can't trick me. It can't trip me up. If I've seen it, if I've taken forty practice tests, there's no way this test can trip me up. I've seen it before. And yeah. that was the mindset I went into December and it yeah. shows.
0: Yeah, it's 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 incredible. Like it's you know, I'm sure people here are not hearing that for the first time like you say it, i say it, everyone says it it's just it's just how you have to approach it right but it's so hard to actually do like how Mm -hmm. i mean you know let's in your case i'm sure you knew that back in september as well right (laughs) yeah i did (laughs) but what like what do you i don't know i'm i I guess i'm asking you to, to like to, to intro, introspect a little. And what, what, do you, what do you suppose was the difference and how you were able to shift your mindset so that, so that you, you, you were in a better place uh, for the December?
1: So, and I see that MKEW said something. I'll address that as well. Um, my 170s were, my, the reason I got to the 170s, that happened, that studying happened between May and September. Um, I was already there and ready to score 170. It was mindset that, that got me down. And what happened is I started not obsessing over the test. I brought um, I brought video games back in I had cut them out almost completely and I started playing video games, which is a huge stress release to me. Um, I started being healthier. I took I'm sorry, I took four PTs between September and September. I took over 40 total in my entire year and a half of studying. but it, it the way I got the mindset was just to start letting myself relax once in a while and not, when I was watching movies, I wouldn't think about the LSAT while I was watching them. I would actually enjoy the movie. Surprisingly, that that's a way to relax. I would let go of difficult problems. If there was a difficult problem, I would find out the answer. I would find out how the answer was right, but I would let go. I wouldn't get mad at it. I wouldn't, the test didn't become, I didn't get angry at the test anymore. I became more amicable, I guess, with towards it, it became more of a hobby. It became a hobby. It went from, this enemy standing in my way that I couldn't beat and it was just defeating my life to it. This is a hobby now and it still is. And I, that's why I still study. It It's became a hobby. I study the set even now. I like answering questions for it.
0: Right. Right. So it sounds like it, it sounds like, um, uh, actually, sorry, just to address the, uh, point that, uh, the MQEW asked. Yeah, it, it on the surface, it looks like he went from a 163 to 171 in three months by playing video games and taking prep tests. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> but um, that's, that is not the takeaway here. No. Um, so I, it was a year and a half. Right. Yeah. Because Glenn had already been prep testing. Even when he got the 163 in September, he had been prep testing at, what, what would you say, what, 170 plus? Uh, no,
1: 160, 170. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: Around, around 170, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was the the reason the 163 was was depressed because it, it was um uh and and there's the, him talking about the the uh, his mindset.
1: Basically, what, what it is is um, the studying for this test always. It's current. So for those of you that are taking it in a week, I think you're right. February's in a week. Um, the studying you've done up until this point is what's going to shine through on that test. Everything you do this week may keep you refreshed it may keep you in the right mindset but it's not going to teach you anything this week is your week to relax and to calm yourself before the tests because you put the work in already and mine was a little bit of a dramatic three-month relaxing period and you have a week now so just get your mind state in in, in control this is just another test you've seen it you know what this test is going to be um Everyone is capable of scoring. If, if I can get to a 171, I promise you with the right amount of time and dedication, every single person in here can score a 171. This test isn't some some test that some people are just really good at. It, it takes work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, some people are just really good at it. That's, 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 that's true, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but for most people, it's just a lot of hard work and, and dedication. Yeah.
1: And if you look at Josh's story, too. Same. Yeah,
0: you guys you guys are like yeah, very <laughs> very very similar there. Um a long journey to to break the 170. Yep. Um I do remember what uh what I was going to say. It's it's um it's kind of paradoxical like we all know how important this test is, which is why we put in the work and and the dedication that we do. But that knowledge I think actively um works against having the proper mindset you know it's like when you're you know when you were able to switch your mindset over from this is so important this is the enemy i need to take down and, and i've been failing um, when you switch from that mindset over to ah eh, it's just a hobby you know i do it cuz it's fun like that allows you to relax you know we say stay calm well that mindset allows you to stay calm so it's 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 kind of paradoxical it's you have to you have to do like a like a jedi mind trick on yourself like, I always tell people, like, if it'll be great if you just like, it doesn't matter. Can you convince yourself that it doesn't matter? Like, if you can, then that'll really help. You're not just going to like, oh, I'll just bubble and see for everything because it doesn't matter. No, like, all of your training up to this point will still kick in. You'll still just operate, but you, you just won't be like hyper stressed out and and freaking out about it. You'll just actually be able to operate at, at your optimal, um, uh, normal, optimal level. Right. So, I don't know how to, do you have, <laughs> I, I mean, I've I, mean, I I try to think of ways to get people to f- to to believe that, like you know, it really doesn't matter. And by the way, this has been shown in empirical economic studies, where when you incentivize people a little bit to do a task, they do better. But if the incentives grow too large, people start freezing up and can't. And this is, this is especially true when it's cognitively demanding tasks. The more cognitively demanding, the higher reward. There's some like inflection point beyond which the performance drops when the when the reward is high when it is too high so it also has like the this sort of like the um uh the the, like the paradigmatic case of that where you know the rewards are are so huge so do you, do you have any i don't know jedi mind trick style <laughs> um t- techniques like you mentioned some already i think like just playing video games and like watching movies allowing your life to to um
1: hmm. i that's a hard question to answer there's nothing really I just let go of the test, and it became a it, it became it became a thing where it was I know what I'm doing. I've done it, so let me enjoy my life again. Let me let me let me let the test kind of slide away. And it, for this is true for for a lot of reasons. And it the test was even more pressure for me because when I was asking people, and it, this is true for a lot of people, but when I was asking people, I want to go to top 14, and this is my GPA, they're 170 or bust. You're screwed. Um, so that this score became, I needed a 171. If I wanted to go to any of the schools I dreamed about going to, because my GPA was so crippled, so I put more pressure on this this test because I didn't have a GPA to kind of weigh it out. Um, and it works the other way, obviously, if your GPA is really high, but you can't get the all sets for, um, so this, this test is almost disproportionately weighed. Um, I mean, the GPA takes you four years to accumulate as to the test. it takes. Who knows um but i i i think taking that out i didn't think of it as a as a i need a 171 to get any schools anymore i just took it out and said i just want to do the best i can on this test i I want to i've I've seen what i can do i know what i'm capable of doing and i want to replicate it um so it that was a mind trick that i i took that extra little lever of i have to do this or my my entire life falls apart because it won't your life will never even when i've hit rock bottom in life your life will never be that bad you you can you have the power to change it let me just say it that way so you have the power to grab hold of what you want in life and change it uh it's just a matter of doing it it may not that sounds easy when i say it <laughs> uh it's incredibly difficult to do but it mindset like that right. I, i'm I don't know if it, I'm trying to be as positive as I can on seventh stage, especially uh, encourage everyone. And I, I, sometimes I'll say things like, I don't know, maybe I'm softballing people and saying that, Oh, everyone can can do it. And when I should be giving them a little bit more reality checks, but I don't, I think sometimes just having that motivation and the mindset of, of knowing yourself and being capable is enough. And that's, those are little mind tricks, the Sith mind tricks, by the way, not Jedi um, <laughs> <laughs> that we, that I would use. Stop taking stop taking the pressure um, and putting it in places where it's out of your control. I, yeah. I couldn't control if I was going to get into the T14. It didn't matter at that point. It just mattered if I was able to take all the hard work I put into the test and replicate it. Nothing more than that.
0: That's very good. Yeah. That's very good. You guys you guys have been typing comments and uh, just uh, keep, keep doing that. I, I will be pulling fr- from the questions that you guys ask. Um, so, so here's one from CW. So CW says, just the thought, would you rather have a 171 LSAT score or a much higher GPA as you were studying? Let's just say an equivalent GPA would be like a three eight three nine.
1: That would be amazing. Um, but the GPA is something I didn't have control over, right? So it's that goes to what I was just saying. Um, I messed up. I own up to my mistake, obviously. I did the best I can to pull myself out of that little hole. Um, But it's gonna be true for anybody. So if you ask the same question to someone who has a high GPA and a low LSAT, they're gonna say, I'd rather have the LSAT higher Um, because that's what's crippling. So I'm gonna say, I want my GPA higher because that's what I feel is is crippling me. Perfect world, I want a 180 and a Um, (laughs) 4.0. That would be the dream, but it's just something I, I don't have. So I have to work with what I've got. And through the admissions process, some schools, it depends on the schools. So I didn't even bother applying to Berkeley. Berkeley just they don't care about your LSAT they want GPA and it it's I type my my numbers into my LSAT and to the, the LSAC one and to everything and they just Berkeley was not going to take me they do not like splitters like I am um, so I saved the money for them and I which is funny because I live 10 minutes from Berkeley uh, <laughs> Um, but it, it just it depends where you want to go and there's certain things you just can't control and I I mean I might This is, you can make fun of me all you want. My GPA is due to World of Warcraft. I dropped out of college because of World of Warcraft. I didn't go to class. I didn't withdraw. I just took the Fs. I took the hit to the GPA. Um, I was 18 and I didn't care. I didn't think this was going to affect me when I was 28 trying to apply to law school. And here I am uh, limping my way into hopefully a T-14 school.
0: How how old (laughs) are you, Glenn? I'm 28. Okay. So we're about, I'm four years older than you world of warcraft at 18 i don't think that was a thing when i was 18 yet thank god thank freaking god i was you know what i was doing at 18 it was all about diablo 2 when i was 18. so when you were when you were uh 14. yeah wow um before i had games before that were
1: i've been a gamer my whole life and they've they both helped me to keep calm but they they have hurt me and, and i will admit that it's almost to the point of being like an addiction
0: it is it is a love hate relationship for sure, but yeah because because I, I think I think that's not that's not unintentional I mean those game designers know exactly what what psychological levers to pull to to get people to get players hooked right um, but they are they are so much fun um <laughs> well now now you can play now you can play all you want until to get fully addicted <laughs> so that yep. when law school starts <laughs> I, that's the
1: plan I'm trying to get as much game in right now as I can. Um but it, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what what happens here cuz i'm i want to panic apply to more schools i've been thinking about it still well we'll see this is not the fun part guys start your personal statement early start your start writing now um it's just it's kind of i want i miss the all side it was like a safety blanket towards the end and that's that goes back to being a hobby i was used to it i knew it it was predictable i knew what i was doing i knew what to focus on and when you go to write the personal statement it's like what the hell do i write
0: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. We have a question from Jake Rat. Uh Glenn, what do you think are some significant differences in how you think slash analyze LR problems compared to before 7th Age?
1: Oh, wow. They're huge. 7th Sage was eye-opening for me, especially, I never didn't, I didn't even know what negation techniques were. Um, they did talk about the contrapositive in the class I took, but they never really showed me where in the test that mattered. It was like here you need to know this but okay now what do we, what is there a certain type of question um and then they instead of naming the questions numbers them so there's like one type one two three four five six seven all the way up to like 15 six i don't i to, to translate from a number to a question name to a type it was like an extra step that they added um so I would, lr i was really not strong and i would just it was gut i would go in gut instinct and that that's great if you want to be tricked and get the wrong answer. Um, but with 7Sage, I was I, I was able, because the way it was broken down in the core curriculum, to each question type built on each other. Once I understood a sufficient assumption question, that made necessary assumption questions a little bit easier. Um, and it goes the other way. Once I started to understand necessary assumption, sufficient assumption became a little bit easier. And I still couldn't, sufficient and necessary, even now, trip me up. It just, my head does not like, to wrap around those two things, um, but it, once I saw how they work within a question, it became easier for me to understand. Explaining it on the outside is really hard for me to do. Um, they also rely really heavily on mapping out questions, and even when I did the Seven Sage course, I don't I don't map questions out very much. Um, I I get more confused because the way JY explained it, obviously you can take it, put it in a little package, right? Um, so it's, you take a, a whole sentence, and that becomes three letters or whatever, just X. Um, but that's a step that maybe I'm just not intelligent enough to do. My mind would lose what that step was, and I would it would just become an X arrow X to me on the page. Um, so I stopped mapping as much, and I started I started looking at the way JY what he was looking for in the question. So like a sufficient assumption, he's looking for that gap, and there's always that gap. It makes a jump somewhere in there. It's it's there's a nothing's connected, and in that sense, it's like a logic game, right? Because there's an inference in there that I need to plug in to make this question work. To make, In order to make this valid, I have to plug this in. Uh, so JY really helped with his explanations and the videos and the, the, the CC um, helped me get an understanding of each question type. And from there, it just came back to practice.
0: C- CW says, this will be my first time to test. How much of a handicap is just the unfamiliarity of actual test day conditions? That's a good question.
1: That is, um, and this goes back to your mindset, unfortunately, I think unless you're really good at meditation and keeping yourself calm, you might be a little bit nervous compared to someone who's taste, tested three times. Uh, um, one big thing, and you can, they, they said you're really good about putting motivational posts up and giving you experience. Uh, I didn't realize that it, you don't just sit down and take the test. There's almost an hour and a half gap time before you're in the room before you even start the test. You have to fill in the bubbles. People don't know how to fill out their own name. I, there's, it's a standardized test. So people are asking questions that you're like, what are you talking about to so put your name on the sheet? Um, and it, that eats up time. And it depends on your test center too. So I got really lucky. My test center is really quiet and in, in a hotel underground. It's, but there's 70 to 80 people. Some people have 15 people taking the test at their test center. So it, it depends on the test centers too. Um, don't let it shake you. Don't talk to other test takers. I would just keep to myself. Uh, a lot of those test takers are going in for the first time and they don't have seven stage and they don't. They didn't study. They just think they can wing it. And they're going to tell you how nervous they are, or they're going to tell you how they have their. I'm going to score 178 on my first try because I read this book by this guy, and they're just going to get you more nervous. Um, so just relax. Uh, that would be the only thing I can really say and I think it will I think it'll be okay I think if you're able to keep your mind calm the first test shouldn't be a big deal You just need to talk to people who've taken it um, even post on 7th Stage. there people will be more willing to give you their experiences um, If something if there's a hiccup during your first test that you weren't expecting you really have to go to the bathroom or, Don't panic don't let that snowball into something else That. And this may be a little bit due to military training for me, but when something big happens like that and you feel like it's the end of your life, it's not. Just move past that. Do not let that become something that, okay, I had a hard section one. Don't let it affect section two, three, four, and five. That that, that carryover is what's going to kill you. You need to just be able to breathe, realize that, okay, this is lost for whatever reason, this question or this section, and then move on. Um, that would be my one of my tips for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a reset at the end of every sec- section. You just you just gotta you, you contain the damage, or whether it's the d- damage that's been done, or it's the points that you've won, whatever it is, it resets the next section. All right, so you start over again.
1: Yep, and that's a good mindset to have. Don't don't let it keep snowballing because that's just gonna that's gonna hurt your whole test.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't just you you, you cannot become fixated on the mistake because. This is something that like I think meditation, uh, mindfulness meditation teaches very well. Um, is is like to recognize negative thoughts as what they are is just the thought arising in the present moment. Right. When you become fixated on like you know, that inference that you failed to make for that game, that's done already. It's over. You've already bubbled in whatever answer or didn't bubble in whatever answer. At this moment you're in a new section now and, and this like negative thought it's just that it's just a thought arising in your mind in the present moment. It has no bearing to reality other than whatever negative effects it might have on your performance of this section. So if you can just like recognize that it's just a thought, right? Um, I think, I think that all, that's the first step to, uh, to, to letting, letting it go. Um, yeah, uh, that's very good. Okay. So something else I, um, I want to add. I I just found out uh, from a student who took the December sorry, right December test um, that uh, she had her watch taken away by a proctor who didn't know what they were doing. They they were over enforcing the rule. You know you know also I changed up the rules about how you, you now you don't get the the timers, um, which is okay whatever they that's how they decided. Um, so, so then, but then like, you know, that, that, that depends on the proctors knowing like how to tell the, the timers from normal watches, right? If they, they, they can be under-inclusive or they can be over-inclusive. And here in this instance, they were unfortunately over-inclusive. Um, you know, the, the Casio watch with a bezel, the like $13 watch that I recommend everyone getting?
1: I have that watch, yes I do.
0: Right, so that's the watch that the, that the proctor said, okay, that's a timer, not a watch. I'm taking that away from you. Right, so yeah, that that's just unfortunate if that happens. But I was thinking, like, you probably should just bring a backup watch just in case, like one of those like five dollar Casio watches that don't have anything on them, just just the face, watch face, and the and the moving hands. That way, even if if your proctor decides to take away something that is completely legal, um, because I mean, like, you're not gonna argue with them at that point. It's it's just that's not that's not the right uh, approach you just you just give them watch and then you have your backup watch um okay so again like you know real real life test test day conditions uh lots of lots of weird weird shit could happen um okay so paul paul are you here is your mic working
1: am i on yeah we can hear you okay cool um yeah no i was just wondering um normally right now with my practice Uh, I do, for the most part, fine. I'm probably scoring in kind of around the 165 to 168, and I'd really like to break the 170, but occasionally I'll just have a drilling session or a PT where I will, what it'll be? It'll be probably about, I don't know, say negative 10 on LR, and it'll just be completely out of the blue. And my like, initial response is almost almost like a gambling addict. And I'll start doing tons of LR drilling until I feel like I'm back up to where I'd like to be. But in there, I'm getting super stressed. And, and then it's just sort of a downhill spiral. So any tips? Um, that's burnout, my friend. And it's, burnout is, is sneaky. I, it caught up to me without even, I didn't even know I was there. I figured, no, I I can burn through this, no problem. Um, But if you think about it, my first attempt, or my second attempt in September, I got a 163, which was seven points lower than I had been PTing, Mm -hmm. um, and even on practice tests. So, originally I had your same mindset. I I would hit, I would be scoring at the 169, and sometimes I would get a test where I'd hit 160, 159, and it was, what? And I would I would push harder at that point. That's the point where I think it's time to, to step back and to say, okay, maybe I do need a break. Maybe I put way too much time into the LSAT right now. and my mind is just burnt. I can't. And a lot of times, what people want to share with burnout, it's not just the test. It's not this this enclosed thing where only the test can burn you out. Your whole life takes comes into account when it comes to burnout. If, if work was extra stressful, if your your dog was sick, if in any little thing. Contributes to burnout. So if you have too much of that going on and then the LSAT on top of it You're you're going to feel this this lull in your practice Um, And the wrong mindset in which everyone does is to get frustrated at the test and then attack it again (laughs) That's the time to take it the break. That's the time when you need to say, okay, I need a a day to breathe Um, Sometimes it takes weeks for people to recover from burnout and sometimes it takes a day but if you if you're, look at your one outlier test does not determine anything, obviously. Um, so if you're not hitting that 150 range or whatever drop consistently, I would say it was just a bad section. Um, review it, see what went wrong, but don't let it become a, a defining thing where you think it, this test makes you think that it, it defines you who you are as a person. I, it makes you, it gets in your skin. I, I don't even, I can't describe something else I've ever felt that that's like this test that made me feel so dumb all the time. It made me feel like I was inadequate. to made me feel like I, I couldn't do it. Um, it just reach out to people, uh, seven stage, family, friends, maybe not them. They won't understand. Um, <laughs> I guarantee you we've all been where you are and we've all had that bad test. Um, and instead of getting mad, you need to, step back and I think yeah Josh even said it it's you want to be pushing as smart as you can not not hard or just look at it as a way to take a break type of thing or focus on a new section even if you don't want to step away from the LSAT and LR is the one thing that's hitting you go to reading comp for a while um, let let the the ideas and and things that are happening in LR settle in your brain um, and go to reading comp. and sometimes you'll do reading Comp, come back to LR strong uh, this test is it's it's a weird test Um, but it, you learn in weird ways, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. Often the right prescription is just take, take a break. That's actually the, cause it's counterintuitive that that's what you should be doing. Um, but you, you need to rest as well. Um, something else you might want to consider to combat the, uh, uh, gamblers, uh, addicts mindset is to focus not on the results, but rather focus on the process. Right, because the results, the results are a function of the process, um, but it's not solely a function of the process. The results are a function of the process plus luck, and luck is the part that you can't control. So if you're focusing on the results, you're kind of letting luck dictate your mood and dictate your uh, strategies, and that's that's not good. Luck is the luck swings. Um, rather, I just I would say like you should try to focus on what the process is. Right, if there are some things you can fix in your process. So th- this this advice goes well with um, taping yourself and watching um, your the footage of you actually moving through an LR section. Um, where are you getting caught in time sinks? And then after watching the tape, you you do the timing sheet, which um, I I don't know if you've seen them yet, but uh, in the later way later PTs, like in the late '70s and '80s, I started putting up my own uh, timing sheets as sort of a model for you guys to copy like you can you can you know take that and just empty out the cells and then do it yourself Um, that that really that like sort of that review kind of review uh, where you're watching footage of yourself doing the test allows you to focus and and um, sort of tweak and hone in on on the right process like I'll always I'll berate myself if if I see on round one I'm spending like 200 seconds on a question that's that's just insane. Like it doesn't even matter what question that is. You don't spend two hundred seconds on it, um, because uh, what is that? That is like that's three and a half minutes, right? Three minutes and twenty seconds. That, that that's like eight percent of the section time on one question. Like it's just not worth it. Even if you get it right, you've lost. Um, yeah. So that's that might be something else to, to think about. Just fuck fo, uh, process process driven. Great. Thanks, Paul. Um, Let's see. Jeremiah, are you here? I'm here. Uh, You have a question for Glenn? This is my third time taking uh, the outside under actual testing conditions. And I was wondering if I should take it at the same center because I'm an international student. And every time I take it, I have to fly in. So I was wondering, should I take it at the same center or does it does it
1: not matter? um if you can i would take it at the same test center even if it wasn't ideal um if this is your third time doing it you know what to expect i took it at the same test center all three times but i was fortunate enough not to have to fly in that's that's dedication that's real dedication um i would even if it wasn't ideal the two times you took it there even if the proctors were bad or or the tests the the desks were too small or something like that um you know that test center and it won't change as often as you think. My tests, two of my tests were a year apart and when I took it at the same test center again, I had the same proctor, the same setup, everything was the same. So it gave me that sense of comfort. I knew how it was gonna work. I knew the proctor was gonna mess up reading certain parts of the 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 um, instructions to us. Uh, I knew where I was gonna wait. I knew it the comfort it gives you comfort and that's something that's that's a valuable thing for someone who's taking it more than once. Um, I don't know if you hopefully you're gonna get there. You're not gonna fly in like the morning of the test. You 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 get time to maybe stay in a hotel uh, and sleep. Uh, and that goes to for to a lot of people, the, even if the day before. Sorry. Okay, good. Um, and that even if you're if you if you're you're not flying to your test, this could may go to more people. Um, you might want to think about if your test center is a few miles away or pretty far away, maybe getting a, a hotel room near your test center. Uh, you don't want to be driving. Driving, I don't know, it, maybe it's because I'm in the Bay Area and we have a lot of bad drivers here. It's stressful. And that, having that morning in traffic and being stressed before your test, try and get rid of that kind of stuff if you can, even if it costs a few extra bucks. But I, for, you, for your instance, I would take it in the same test center if that was at all possible.
0: Okay. Thank you. Great, thank you, Jeremiah. Um, so, Jackrod has another question. This is a fun one. All time favorite LR questions, games, or passages, and what sticks out to you about those?
1: Um, my favorite were the hardest because that showed me where I was weak. I can't remember. I can't remember this test, but it was. In the early tests and it had to do with numbers uh, I hate math and math really trips me up and this one was especially tricky it had a, I, I wish I could find it. it had something to do with rolling numbers and it was an lr question and it just it you mapped it out like it was a logic game it was that type of question that one really got me um my favorite logic game was the round one in one of the early km I even remember the letters guys I had a problem it's km um, P, O, and N, and they're in a circle, and who can sit next to each other? That was probably one of my all-time favorite games. Um, I figured, why that one was my favorite is I figured it out without watching a, a video on it. I made the circle myself, and I was able to do it, and I, I felt cool because I was like, oh, I did this on my own, and then it turned out it, was, it wasn't that difficult of a question once you've got it in a circle. Um, reading comp. I actually really liked the December one, and that this is something that I struggled with reading comp to ever get it low. I, I mean, even on my my actual test, I think I missed four or five, um, maybe a little less. But the the passages were fun, and they were. I was interested in the passages I read for the the December test. They were things that I enjoyed, um, unlike the September two thousand sixteen test with the liqueur. I don't even know. What the hell, liqueur is? I still know. I hate Ellen Ellen Gray. I hate her with passion. I was. I've never been so disinterested in reading a passage in my entire life. Um,
0: it's pronounced lacquer.
1: Whatever. <laughs> that. What the heck are you doing to the wood? Why do I care about it? Um, so that one. That one got under my skin. Um, but th- that's actually another a good point. If you're, if you can keep yourself interested in the test, even the, the little LR passages. I got pretty involved with them. I said, no, Mr. Mayor, you can't be doing that. That's not um, that's not right. That's because of this kind of flaw. Or I would get on the December test, there was a question about dolphins and where they could live and why can you live in five feet of water and what's your problem? And I got really into the questions. Um,
0: that really helps, um, especially for passages. I, I started putting up like extracurricular videos on some of the core curriculum RC passages just to um kind of like expand your knowledge base right i i find that to be helpful like if you if you're reviewing and like a particular or rc passage is particularly difficult for you it's probably because you have no peripheral knowledge not not always but it might be because you have no peripheral knowledge within which to contextualize the passage right and that becomes incredibly difficult
1: it does, and I agree with that. And, and if, I, if I'm if i reading something and I know what they're talking about, it's easier to engage than if you're talking yeah. about putting some clear thing on wood, I'd, whatever. <laughs> um, that one really gets under my skin.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, you know, depending on, you know, like where you're coming from, like, uh, you know, art is hard for some people, science is hard for some people, law is hard for some people. Like, just do do YouTubing on the thing. Right on the thing that they're talking about and you just learn more about it next time you encounter it, it is the same subjects or or if not the same subjects, like related subjects that repeat.
1: Yeah. And then actually there's two tips that I I, I just thought of. Um, One relates back to a question we had a bit ago. Score doesn't matter, guys. Get that out of your head. When you're practicing, do not let the score define your studying. I I was the worst at that. Um, This test, even if you feel like you're not moving and you're not improving, you are. And it's by looking at your score, and if you're hitting the 165, 165, 165, 16, and you feel like you're not moving, that's the best way to discourage yourself. Um, and I did that. I did that hard, really hard. Um, don't do that. Score, questions matter. Individuals, questions matter. Those are your victories. Those are what add up to create your, your 170s, your 160s, your 150s. That's what, that's what adds up. It's not your, your cumulative score every time you take a PT. Um, and then the other thing is there's a lot of rumors around the LSAT and there's a lot of these like ah, man I got myself worked up over things and I would go on Reddit and I would go on on TLS and Ghost and read stuff there and I would and people are talking about stuff and these people a lot of times there's there's great information and they they have all this insight about the test and which is awesome a lot of the times they're just a test taker like you and they're starting some, Oh, the ad comms read Reddit and they're reading you right now. And they're going to judge your whole application about what you post and you get caught up in that. I had a freak out after the September test because on seven stage, I commented about Q and, and some other letter on the test. And I was like, Oh my God, they're going to there. I messaged everybody. I messaged Josh. I messaged Daniel. I mess. I was like, please remove this Dylan, please take us all down. They're going <laughs> to, I thought, lsac was sitting there reading every post it's not like that guys don't get caught up in in the rumors of this test in this it's there's it's like a cult (laughs) there's there's but they're 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 just people like you taking the test and one person can say something and scare an entire room of people you know what i mean don't do that to yourself i did it and it i think that hurt my mindset in the september test a lot too Um, so those two two advices piece of advice that popped into my head
0: yeah Well, related to to, um, uh, the improvement is uh, this next question from uh, ASDF who says, was your improvement in LR section a slow process or did you jump from like a minus eight-ish per section to a minus three all of a sudden after something clicked?
1: That, when you first expose to something with any section, you're going to make it probably a decent jump, logic games, reading comp, or LR. you'll probably go from eight to I don't know, eight to four. That's because you, you started understanding the core concept. It's now refining it. And the refining is when you stop making the jump. So for instance, the logic games, before I took any studying on it, I went like minus 10. Um, and then it clicked and I was down to minus four or five. And then it just took refining to get it down to zero from there. Same with LR, um, as I learned each question type, I became more and more and more exposed to their tricks. Um, My flaw was my hardest for me. I needed exposure to flaw in order to get better and I would just miss flaw question after flaw question. And it wasn't until I started asking myself each question, does the stimulus do this, was I able to get it. Um, And I I took their stupid English with their convoluted. Argument presumes what it sets out to. Blah blah blah. And I just turned it. I would translate it into stupid, dumb English. I'd say it's circular reasoning. Does it use the premise and then use it in the conclusion again? That I would make it as dumb as I could because I'm not smart enough to understand their big words or what the hell they're saying. Um, that took most of my time, and that's when my. I was at minus eight and then I would maybe go minus seven on one section six and back up to eight and then seven and then that's when the whittle down and that was slow there wasn't a click for that kind of stuff that was just a long drawn out process of blind review working on questions learning their tricks learning what they're gonna throw at me um and again I even on the September test it had a fairly lenient curve um but I missed a ton of necessary assumption questions um, on that test that that was just my my weakness for that test um so I Went back to working on those even though I'm not gonna retest.
0: <laughs> mm. How how many questions did you how many LR questions did you end up missing in September? Or sorry, uh, December.
1: December was six total. Um, total. three okay. per section.
0: Yeah, nice. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then four on Reading Comp, one on
0: uh, logic games. Logic games, right. Yeah. Um so I think there is like when people talk about like the click, I, I suppose like at some point Towards the middle of your studies, there has to be this click when you look at a new LR question, and you're like, "Oh, déjà vu," or "Oh, I I totally recognize this question. It's not new. It's just an old question, right? That that could be that. I mean, in my mind, that's what I think of when I when I think of a like something clicking. Um, it's it's very similar to the process where you look at an logic game and you're like, oh, this is not a new Logic game. I've seen this before. Not really. You haven't seen it before. But, you know, it just looks so similar to previous Logic games that you've seen before. Like cookie cutter, you know, like like being able to recognize these cookie cutter logical reasoning questions. Like this one is just a, they just presented you with a correlation and then they conclude a causation and then you kind of know the space within which the answer choices are going to play around. Um, So that that click I'm, I'm sure that click happened for you right
1: yes for sure um and that's kind of what i mean when i said that there was that there were, were huge jumps as a core concept took root um but it was and it, guys 170 and 169 is like one point right um so luck plays a factor especially once you get into the higher areas of the test higher score ranges and it's not uncommon for someone with a 169, 170 to go all the way down to a 165. Even that's not that big of a move, question-wise. It's a Huge score jump, but question-wise, that's four or five questions, and you might just had a bad day or a hard section. Um, so don't let those affect you either. If you're if you're having a swing like that, it might just be an oddball. I went minus zero on reading comp one test. I think it was PT 80. I don't know, a random test, and I've never gone minus zero, and it just. That was an easy section for me that day. Um, normally, I'm averaging three or four on reading comps. So each test does have a bit of luck, like you said, and variability as well.
0: Great. Well, uh, let's let's switch gears uh, real quick. And uh, I, I want to I talk a little bit about uh, your current job and, and what you do. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure the audience here will find that interesting as well. So uh, tell, tell us a bit about what your current job is.
1: So I currently work at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco. Um, I'm what they call an administrative assistant. It's kind of like a floater. Um, I do literally everything. Um, there are days when I'm, I do deputy work with the judges. Saw so the guy sitting there slamming the gavel around, um, just saying "All rise," and then there's. I worked at like a judicial conference, which is cool. Um, I I can't talk about the judges, guys. I see the question there, sorry about that. Um, I can't say anything. You read everything you need to read about all our judges. Um, Yeah, and it's, it's actually, they're the ones that encouraged me to apply to Yale too. And that's clerks that went to Yale that have told me to do it. So I think you guys need to, don't cut yourself short. Even with my crippled GPA, I have a story that I can tell these ad comps, and if I can get it across to them, they may take me. And it, in, in, in a lot of sense, numbers define you, yes, but they, they don't at the same time, and I guarantee each one of you guys has a unique story like that that you can tell. Um, so don't don't limit yourself, and that's something that I've learned at this job. Um, the judges have even told me, this: the legal career is, is a lot more open than a lot of people give it credit for. Um, and the judges are, I've never met a group of people that are that intelligent. It, it blows my mind, and I'm lucky every day that I get to hear them talk. I don't understand. I mean, I'm going to law school, and they, they'll say things that I don't understand. Half of that is because, half of it is because it's an appellate court, so there's years of case law and case development that I, I've never seen. But they just, they, they understand things, and they're pretty... Pretty solid.
0: Yeah. what What is the uh, what's like the most intellectually challenging work that you do?
1: Um, uh, not too much. I'm a. I do a lot of docket stuff, which is sitting at a computer and typing in numbers, and then it, that's not really intellectually stimulating at all. Um, what happens is when a judge or someone asks you a question, um, and these are. I mean, I work. We have the way the Ninth Circuit works, and we're a little bit unique from other circuits. We have staff attorneys within the office who the cases come in, they rate the cases on this scale um, and they present the cases to the judges and not everything will go to oral argument and sometimes they'll say um, this case is just good enough to submit it on the brief type stuff and listening to that and trying to think through that and I'm not really a part of it but I get to kind of think of it on the side and listen to the staff attorneys, they really struggle. Um, Some of these things, the there is no answer to and watching these two cases come together and this this legal problem develop and then you're sitting there like oh my god what what do you do with this you can't do anything and that's the one that obviously goes to the judges because the staff attorneys can't figure out what to do with that kind of case um but a lot of the intellectual stuff is when you get to sit and listen to the cases themselves be presented to you yeah um my favorite case ever we had a, and you probably read about it, we had a chimpanzee, I think it was, uh, take a picture of itself. Um, and Peter sued saying that it was it's intellectual property, uh, that the, the photographer didn't get the credit for the picture and the money, the monkey should be getting all the money. And I think the monkey ended up winning that case. Um, I think the, the photographer still got the money, but you get cases like that, um, and those are fun to think about, right? Because does the monkey get, he took the picture, so does he get the money, Does who gets the money? <laughs> And then some of them, you see a lot of depressing stuff. And my, I don't want to talk anyone out of certain types of law, but I was also a clerk for a judge at San Francisco Superior Court, and I did family law. I've never seen something that depressing in my entire life. It takes a special kind of person, I think, to, to do that, um, especially with the kids involved. And so it, there's a lot going on, guys. Law is huge. I mean, it, it touches everything. Right? What what does law not touch? I think that's what's so cool about this job, or this career. Yeah. Yep.
0: Do Do you get to interact a lot with the clerks?
1: Clerks more so than the judges. Um, yeah. So we, I give courthouse tours. Um, so we have students from all over Hastings, Stanford. We have visiting judges from Korea. Um, a lot of people will come and. And visit, so we get to do tours, and then what will happen is we set up a like a question and answer thing um, where they can talk to either the judges or the clerks or a staff attorney, whoever we can get. Um, but working with the clerks, a lot of them they look back at what we're going through right now, and it's nothing. <laughs> can you can you just <laughs> they're like oh yeah that, that was a thing but I went through law school now and it's, what are you talking about this is. I'm sitting here refreshing my, my status checkers every day. How did you – how are you not scarred from that? But they, it, this is going to become <laughs> nothing at some point, guys. This, this LSAT and this this application stress, it's just going to move on to, okay, now I'm in law school and grades. And then it's going to become, oh, i got to pass the bar. And then now I'm at a job. So right. um, maybe keep that in mind when you think about it because it's, it's, it's not the end of your life. Your life does not end with the LSAT, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's only the, it's only the beginning of your legal career. Yes. <laughs> um, does it, uh, do you, do you want to be, do you want a clerk after law school? Having, having like so much interaction with the clerks and being at the ninth, like, does that, does that, is that where you want to take your, uh, career?
1: Um, I would, I would clerk, I, it looks really stressful though. Um, some judges, it depends on your judge, uh, some judges are really hard on their clerks and they don't get a chance to breathe and some become best friends with their clerks, which is kind of cool. Actually, but from giving the tours to the high schools and people that come, I've actually decided maybe going to teaching. Um, maybe not being that as my entire uh, my entire job, but I would like to teach with a legal degree on the side as well. Um, and I think right. a lot of people
0: it's like university level teaching, maybe
1: or maybe younger, um, even high school, because it, a lot yeah. of people. I don't. Maybe I was lucky with the schools I went to, um, but I knew a lot about how our system works and i have tours that i'll give to people that are in law school even and they just don't understand like they don't understand what level an appellate court is they don't understand federal system and how state's courts differ from federal courts and i i you need to understand in order for this country to work and this 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 is going to i'm preaching guys i'm sorry but in order for our democracy to, to do what it needs to do you guys have to understand it right so i want to i want to go in there and push that if you like you guys need to get what's going on before before you start making all these opinions, figure out how things are structured.
0: Um, yeah, kind of yeah that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously love teaching. Um, so yeah, I hope you do. Yeah,
1: that would be pretty fun to do. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so I, I also wanted to ask uh, about how whether you think your military training uh, had any impact on your um LSAS studies and just your general outlook on life like how has that changed you as a person uh
1: it has uh, i'm driven so i'm i have my drive after the military has become almost like to the level of obsession obsession um i know what i want i know how i'm gonna get there i'm gonna do what i do to get to that the 170 was not an option in my mind and that like I said that hurt me in the September test so don't do that too bad guys Um, but being able to take a stressful situation and understand that it's not as bad as you think it is is the biggest takeaway the military is going to give to most people Um, because I mean in the military you just one stressful situation after another right so it's screw the one that just happened I'm concerned about the one currently happening and then the one after that after that after that um, uh, that's my biggest takeaway. I'm able to shrug things off a lot faster. I think than most people with the military training and I'm not even, I'm not even super big on the military necessarily, but it does instill, um, a certain set of discipline and, and certain people need it. And I was one of those people. I needed that, um, to get focus and to be able to dedicate myself to something instead of just, I'm going to play video games for the rest of my life, you know, go nowhere. yeah Yeah.
0: I I mean I I think we touched upon this earlier but you're you're uh, being able to wake up at 4 a.m I'm (laughs) I'm guessing that's that's like because of military I'm not really sure is is, is it maybe so I used to
1: sleep I love sleep don't get I will sleep to the end of the time but um (laughs) my I'm a morning person and maybe it's something you have to find about yourself but after about two o'clock at work or anywhere I am incapable of functioning I can't I can't think. Yeah. My work process is slower. I get agitated. Yeah. Um, so I figured by that's biological. Yeah, I think so.
0: That's 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 just biological. Yeah. yeah. So I think the yeah. four
1: a.m. thing. I would I would have a cup of coffee, which of course it woke me up. But my mind—that's where I worked best—is in the morning. If I was in the afternoon, it was I was spinning my wheels in the mud. I wasn't gaining anything from it. It was just me getting frustrated because I was tired and I wanted to take a nap. Really. Um, I think it's a combination. Maybe military did contribute to it, um, to have the discipline to do it, maybe, I would say. But the the desire to study in the morning is more of something that just I have. It's I'm a morning person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important to realize that about yourself. Um, I I know some people are like sort of evening people. I never really got that. Um, I'm definitely a morning person around the afternoon. It's like usually around like three o'clock for me, uh, two or three o'clock. a little earlier if i have a big lunch so actually i try i try not to have a big yeah. lunch b- because of that but like um you just i just get sluggish. i don't have the willpower like that's when i'm most at risk for for like uh going into a gaming binge that <laughs> like never happens in the morning there's not a danger that i'll just start wake up and start playing video yep. games but like in the afternoons it's like I th- somehow like i just lose control over like what i want to what i what i know to do that would be good for me in the long term Mm -hmm. and i just cave to like the short-term cravings so it is very good to um to recognize that about yourself and just structure your um what's important around it um (laughs) there is nothing wrong with gaming that's right i just there's (laughs) there's i think there's something it can be excessive if if you if you drop out of college and
1: end up with a 2.8 yeah that's something wrong (laughs) with gaming there Um, yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, and
1: it, I can't even oh, I can't yeah. even write anything cool, right? So I can't say oh, I I destroyed my grades because this happened in my life. No, I I played a right. video game. I can't write that off.
0: Or or like nowadays, I mean, I, this wasn't the thing back when we were younger. But like nowadays, you could be like, well, you know, I was like world champion at StarCraft, <laughs> right? Like I competed yep. in Korea and like yep. I won the title. That that okay, it's like okay, you you reached the apex of of this chosen niche. But like that would be kind of cool, but. Um, but yeah, you, you couldn't even do that. back, back then it's just like, yeah, I just, I just stopped. I, I didn't go, I didn't take my finals because I was, <laughs> I was doing a raid. Yep. Um, That's exactly what it was. <laughs> um, okay. So we have just a few minutes left, Up uh, and Alex has a question. Um, Alex, all right. Can you unmute yourself? Yeah. Hey, hi, Alex. How are you?
1: Hey.
0: Oh, sweet. Hey, what's up, Glenn? Good to hear from you, man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I've, I I always like to ask people this question. Um, Basically if you were to like restart and kind of plan out your ideal prep, I guess for, let's say maybe the next, maybe six months, uh, what would that look like and what would
1: you do differently this time around? That is a great question. I would do a lot differently. And that's the story of my life. Right. Um, I would, I would stop looking at my score uh, I would I would not let the score predict how I'm studying. I wouldn't I wouldn't use that as an indicator of how well I was doing. Um, I would spend more time in the CC, the core curriculum curriculum. I would spend more time there, and I kind of rushed into PTing a little bit. Not not too badly. I didn't burn materials terribly, but I wouldn't do that. Um, I wouldn't just excessively take PTs, looking for a score change every time. Um, I would wish that someone would tell me that this test is not like other tests where I could just sit down and take it. I needed to put the time into this test. Um, and I wish I kind of knew that. And it, I wish I would have started a little sooner studying and, it, and it's, it's put me off of law school for three years, this test alone. And it, it, I know it doesn't sound like that with how much I studied, but I would have started studying maybe in school um, beforehand because I thought it was just going to be this test that just passed me by. Um, and I wish I would have maybe been more active in the community. I don't, I've never been one to be a person who can study with other people. Um, I try and do things on my own. And I think that actually hurt me. So, like, I see you guys doing, you guys always have uh, calls going where you're reviewing things together and you get other input from other people. That's invaluable. That's absolutely, and I didn't do it. I, did, I just did it on my own because it was me versus the world, right? Um, instead of, using other people and seeing how they thought through a question, and it that's enlightening. Seeing how someone else works through a question shows you other ways to attack the test, and that's something that you can't gain on your own. Um, so I would have definitely taken part in the community a little bit more, I think. Um, plus, I'm, I mean, I'm a little bit shy of the community in general. Um, I don't feel like, even now, if people ask for help, I don't feel like I'm the right person to go to type of thing. Because uh, I don't feel like I have the mastery, even with the score. Um, but that those were the those would be definitely. So my takeaways would be start sooner. Don't look at my score as my my indicator of what I'm going to do um, on the test because the score doesn't matter. It's the questions. Be more active in the community. Um, listen to other people. Don't think you know everything because you don't obviously, right? Um, those would be my biggest takeaways of the test. And maybe if I'm see the the burnout question um, take breaks right don't what's this test isn't going anywhere I mean even with the GRE coming in now this test is still going to be one of the big tests unless they decide oh we don't need standardized tests for law school right then don't rush the test relax it's it's not going anywhere and Alex tells this to everybody if you if you're not ready don't take it Um, I've had some outside pressures family and whatnot telling me that it's kind of just to do it and I need to get it out of the way um, and I let that affect me a little bit but I ended up stepping back and letting taking control of my own life right and doing what I wanted to do and going for my goal um, and you sometimes you need to do that and even if I'm not old I'm 28 so I'm not old right but it's sometimes if your parents are all that has dictated things to you don't don't you? Sometimes you know what's best. They don't know what the LSAT is. I, have you tried to talk to other people? I know you guys have. You try to talk to people. I don't know what the LSAT is, and there's just oh well, you passed, or oh well you 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 got a one sixty. That's that's amazing. You're gonna do. They don't they don't understand this test. Um, they don't understand. No one, even if they see a question, will understand this test until they sit down and take an entire timed LSAT. Will they understand what we're going through with this test? Um. So listen to people who know the test. Listen to your community. Listen to to don't be afraid to, to reach out on Seventh Stage. The the community on Seventh Stage, and this is I'm gonna pander to Seventh Stage a bit here. Um, it's remarkable. It, it's there's no community like Seventh Stage's community. The, the people are encouraging. They'll tell you what you need to hear, but they they're positive. No one no one no other forum on the internet has the positivity that Seventh Stage has. Um, we kind of police our own, I think. And it's, it's, I love (laughs) 7Sage.
0: Well, thank you. And I, I I agree. Um, well, so we should end it on that note. (laughs) Really nothing else. But, but uh, before, before, before I let you go, Glenn, uh, can you let everyone know how, if they want to stay in touch with you, how, how can they do that?
1: Yeah. Um, feel free to PM me on 7Sage. Um, I can even put an email in if you want to email me, uh, Again, I don't know if I feel necessarily comfortable tutoring. I, I, I will do it and I will help and answer your questions, but I won't feel confident uh, because <laughs> I don't think I'm <laughs> at that level necessarily with my understanding of the test. So if I'm a bit hesitant or I don't answer right away, it's probably not because I don't want to answer, it's probably because I don't want to lead you astray. Um, I, feel, I will feel responsible if I give you an answer that takes you away from something that's been working for you. Um, so that I'm more likely to 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 lean that way than to just not want to answer you. But anytime you need to PM me, I'm at work. I have two monitors and Seven Sage is open from when I get there at seven until I leave at four. Um I'm r re- i am refresh it every five minutes. So a lot of you might see me responding like instantly to you. That's because I'm there. Um so I'm I'm easy to get a hold of if you need me on Seven Sage.
0: Great. And Glenn, you're at LSAT can't win on SevenSage on the forums. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. This has uh, been really inspiring for uh, a lot of us here. And uh, th- thanks again for taking the time to talk to us about your story. Um, probably, probably in a few months, I'd like to have you and some of the other uh, sages back uh, because I think that it'll be after the application cycle and just have all you guys talk about what that was like.
1: Yeah, not a problem. That's uh, It's harder than the all side. I'm telling you. It's, <laughs> it's not fun. And by the way, guys, just so you know, if you apply to 15 schools, each school has their own separate status checker. I don't know what is going on with that. You have to log into 15 different things. That's outrageous.
0: (laughs) All right, Glenn. Well, have a good night. Thank you again and have a good night.
1: Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks for coming out on Saturday night.
0: Take care. JY here from the present. And hey, you made it all the way to the end. Thanks for listening to our whole conversation. Or if you just skipped ahead, thanks for skipping ahead. As promised, I will now reveal where Glenn is attending law school. He is now a 1L at Northwestern, which is an amazing law school. And you know what? He hasn't forgotten about us. Every once in a while, he'll pop over onto the forums and give us an update on his life, which is pretty cool. So if you want to check that out, go to 7 discussion and search for posts by LSAT Can't Win. Okay, so this podcast thing is brand new for us, and we really would appreciate any comments, suggestions, or advice you have. I want to make this great, and to do that, I need your help. So please don't hold back. You can let us know your thoughts at podcasts.evensage.com. At and if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts.